This is a CBC Podcast. Hey, I'm Claire Bonnyman. And I'm Min Dariwal. And welcome to The Loop. So this past week, the roller coaster that was the NHL playoffs came to an, uh, I think, abrupt, yeah. might be abrupt end. We yeah. insert some uh, <laughs> screeching uh, sound, sound effects right here. It was, it was a hard, hard loss for our hometown team. And of course, like the devoted fans, the oh, city yeah. went wild. But yeah, I'm talking about it. The Colorado Avalanche swept the Edmonton Oilers in the Western Conference Finals, clinching the series Monday night at Rogers Place. It was a 6-5 overtime win. Right. You can probably hear in my voice, I was yelling at the TV. You were into it, huh? Oh, yeah. I I was invested. And that was the thing. Honestly, the the series was really emotional. There were ups. There were downs. There was screaming. There was all of that. Maybe crying. I won't admit to anything. I think everybody kind of got dragged into it. Yeah. Well, because this meant a lot to Oilers fans, right? Like, they'd been waiting more than a minute, it's fair to say, right? For their team to to get into these conference finals and to make this kind of run. Right. And so in the city, at CBC especially, you know, we had all sorts of people diving in and and covering the team during the run. But Min, you, I mean, you're, you're, you're an Oilers guy. You, wow. You've been covering this. You've been following the team both at work and just in your life. And you right. and video producer Craig Ryan, you guys actually went to Denver. Yeah. That sounded like a whirlwind. Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> it was a whirlwind. Yeah. No doubt. Um, I want to start this kind of conversation about the Oilers with a big philosophical question. Okay. What do you think this playoffs run meant? I mean, there's so so many different factors here. I mean, what it meant to the city, what it meant to the fans, what yeah. it meant to the team, you yeah. know, uh, just getting some experience in the playoffs, which, you know, seems to be few and far between well, it's, in yeah, this it's town. it's been a minute, 2017, right? yeah. Well, I mean, I guess there was the play-in or the, the playoffs against Winnipeg, but, uh, you know, there's no fans. There was no vibe. No. The that, that didn't even feel like the playoffs. Pandemic so. was very So we're not going to count that. We're okay. going to put an asterisk beside that, right? <laughs> But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think these these playoffs uh, meant many things uh, to, to a lot of different people. I mean, just even I, th- I think from coming out of the pandemic yeah. and being able to get together and feel safe getting together and seeing big crowds, I, I think yeah. that changes the mindset for a lot of people, right? Because I think a lot of people have kind of gotten used to be, being like at home or, yes. you know, not – um, socializing. Well, I made a joke. Forgetting the, how to socialize. I made a joke at the station the other day because we had um, some new folks come in and I think there was like four of them getting shown around by a producer. Yeah. And I looked at it and it was like, it looked like a crowd to me, but I'm like, that's four people. Yeah. But with the playoff series, you were watching these large crowds gather yeah. and it, it felt, I feel more comfortable kind of looking at that at the end of this. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you know, whether you were in Roger's place uh, watching it live or yeah. you were there for a watch party because they, they sold out. I mean, you were in, in a place with 18,000 people. Yeah. If you were in the moss pit, you were there with several thousand people. If you yeah. were in a bar, I mean, the bars were all oh, pumping downtown. Even restaurants. if you just lived, I, I live yeah. a few blocks off White Ave. Right. And seeing the folks in the crowds and, and just hearing the cheering coming from blocks away. Yeah. Like it was, it was powerful. That is pretty cool. Cool, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I know some people who live nearby the Moss Pit, and so their yeah. condo overlooked it, and they were just like That'd blown away that the scenes were wild, oh. right? So, I mean, I think that there was, you know, it meant it meant a lot of things to a lot of people. For diehard Oilers fans, I mean, this is something that uh, you were you you weren't expecting this year because uh, halfway through the year they were slumping hard, yeah, right. And uh, Dave Tippett gets fired, a new coach gets brought in, Jay Woodcroft, Dave Manson, and all of a sudden. 
like they start kind of turning things around, yeah. but nobody ever thought, you know, we're going to finish second in the Pacific. We're going to go three rounds into the playoffs. We're going to be playing in the Western Conference Finals, stuff that hasn't happened since 2006. Yep. So uh, I think, you know, whether you were a fan or not, you got caught up in a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Battle of Alberta, we beat Calgary. That was whew. And Man. so that, that was a new experience, I think, for a, an entire multiple generation of fan because yes. they've always heard about the people in the 80s talking about the battles of Alberta, how crazy they were, how Edmonton dominated, and everybody's tired of talking about the 80s. Well, now yeah. everybody in, in this day and age got to experience their own battle of Alberta and they have their own one to talk about now, which I think yes. really means a lot for a lot of fans, especially. Oh, yeah. I think that's honestly what sold me. So, I mean, full disclosure, like I, I, w- I didn't consider myself like a real Oilers fan until this year. Yeah. I lived in a lot of hockey cities. Yeah. I've never really been sold on a team. Sure. But this year changed it fully. Like I start, I watched every game. Sure. I, I bought a hat. You know, just invest a little money. But it was just, it was because there's a lot to go off of and there's the lore and the story and the kind of community that comes around it. Sure. And I mean, just to touch on the Battle of Alberta, I mean, you know, Calgary's a nice city. You know, we we don't hate, hate Calgary, but rivalries in sport are supposed to be like that. Yes. You know, just because your team is out doesn't mean you're going to cheer for the Flames. And, uh, you know, don't get me wrong, the Flames are not going to be cheering for the Oilers to yeah. go all the way to the Cup. <laughs> There's a very small percentage of fans that would do that. But anyway, yes. no, it it was good to see the rivalry get rekindled and to have a Battle of Alberta. And it was incredible hockey, right? And, yeah. And I think you touched on this already, but it's, you know, this did go beyond the team and beyond the arena and beyond hockey, right? You yeah. could feel this across the entire city. Yeah, you could. And uh, I mean, I never, I never even got to White Avenue or saw any of the places down there. But I mean, downtown, you, yeah. you could certainly see the vibe on game days. You'd see jerseys all over the place. Uh, people were kind of, you know, jumping on the bandwagon or just kind of supporting a yeah. team that they've kind of grown up watching. So I think that was really good. Uh, you know, just recently we went to Campio Brewing, uh, yeah. uh, which is not too far from the arena. And uh, they, they, they were gushing about what it was like. Even on non-hockey days, there was a buzz. They hadn't experienced that. You know, they're coming through the pandemic, you know, people getting tables with friends and family and and watching the games. And so, yeah, they, they, they were over the moon, right, about uh, yeah. what this meant for them business-wise, for their bottom line. Well, I wouldn't be surprised, truly, if this was the first time a lot of folks did come back downtown or, or yeah. for some in a long time throughout the pandemic, right? It, for Because we saw so many people so coming many down people. to and, the Mosfet to and, games. And for the most part, I mean, it, I, I didn't see any problems. Like, we didn't hear from Edmonton police. I mean, there was a lot of police out, but uh, it didn't get unruly like it did in 2006, right? So no. White Avenue, there were Riots, it got yeah. crazy. No riots. There were a couple. There's probably drunk skirmishes and climbing yeah. on some signs. I probably shouldn't have. I saw those For sure that that happened. Yeah. yeah, onto trophies that they should have. Yeah. Wayne Gretzky statue. Yeah, yeah that, that 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 certainly <laughs> did happen, and I can understand how. Yeah, some people were, you know, maybe had a few too many pops. I mean, we, so we had these few weeks of just like emotional intensity yes. I think is the only way to describe it. So, what do you think? Where do we go from here as a city? Well, I think for one. I mean, you know, I'm glad to kind of get my life back. I think a lot of people are happy to get, I get their to sleep again without spouses the sound of back yelling. or yeah. yeah, families are, you know, <laughs> it's not staying up till some of those, you know, first and second round games were That was so late. Late. Too late. Right? Yeah, I think it's it's great to to have uh, your life back. I mean, if they would have won on Monday, we were ready to fly myself and uh, video uh, producer Peter Evans, you know, at 8 a.m. Yeah. Tuesday 
today we would have been coming back from Denver and who knows, you know, if yeah. they would have won it, then there would have been another game here on Friday. Oh so it's, it is kind of crazy to <laughs> I don't think. know if I had the emotional fortitude to go through yeah. more games in a way. So maybe well, it was a gift. <laughs> some of the people in the newsroom, uh, you know, colleagues were saying, are you ready for like the next four or five days? This was on Monday yeah. before that game started. I said, well, just going to buckle know. in and see what happens. And, yeah. But it's all back to normal now. And, uh, you know, the players have kind of had their exit meetings. And um, But I think that that vibe in the downtown core kind of was reestablished. And mm-hmm. I'll be interested to see, interested to see how it goes uh, throughout the summer, right? And if it yeah. carries through. It won't be as intense, but <laughs> people will, you know, come down to Taste of Edmonton or some of the, you know, festivals, uh, yep. art festivals that are happening and, and some of the establishments or, you know, the patios. Yeah. I think if the weather's nice, it'll be it'll be good. Well, and I think in a weird way, the playoffs kind of led us into this perfect introduction into summer. They're yes. setting us up like the energy is high. People are feeling good, you know, sure. maybe a little bruised, but it's like, we're like, yeah, yeah. Like, get outside, go meet we're people. Dusting ourselves off. Exactly. Right? And so I think today on the show, we're yeah. actually going to offer some ideas of how to move forward. Um, we're literally, you know, offering some directions. Nice. Today on the show, we're going to dig into a couple of mapping projects that have been at the works at CBC Edmonton because maps hold all sorts of info, right? And, and these huh. two might actually just hold the key to yours and my playoff recovery okay. um, and our summer plans. So we're going to dig into one that places culture and community on more of a kind of provincial scale and and another that might connect you better to some green spaces in your own backyard, some of which, you know, are right downtown. So what do you say? Do you think you're ready? You want to hit the road? As long as it doesn't involve me having to gas up, I'm all I'm game. (laughs) A new project at CBC Edmonton has laid out a map. A bunch of maps, actually. Angela Amato is a communications officer here at CBC Edmonton, and she created this collection of maps. Hey, Angela. Hey, how's it going? Good. So these maps, there's a lot of them. Uh, What do they dig into? So basically what we wanted to do with these maps is kind of showcase the Indigenous history in Treaty 6 in Alberta. We wanted to have like a local perspective, but not hyper-localized to just Edmonton. So, yeah, we wanted to let people know that, um, you know, maybe aren't super familiar with Indigenous history and culture, just how many places um, there are and how rich the the history is. And it is, uh, like, rich, rich history. There's so much. Absolutely. Um, What did it take to, to actually bring all of that together? So... First of all, we um, kind of created an advisory board of Indigenous elders and community members. Um, So we had Joanne Saddleback, Jerry Saddleback, Terry Lusty, uh, Louis Cardinal, and James Niblamouche. Um, And by having these meetings and talking with them, we really wanted to um, see what their perspective was and what... Um, we should highlight in a project like this. And and from there, we decided a map would kind of be the most accessible way to do that for a lot of people so they can kind of visualize where these points are and, and, you know, take it upon themselves to go there or to learn more about that. Um, It also took a ton of research, (laughs) Um, especially for one person to kind of take on is 
is a lot. Um, but we also had some amazing stakeholders. So we have uh, the Edmonton Public Library, McEwen University, and Norquest um, that kind of offered some help along the way. So we were very grateful for that. Um, and the Indigenous Knowledge and Wisdom Center, um, they provided us with many of, with, with most of the points on the map. What was important for uh, the members of our advisory board and um, from like an indigenous perspective, like what should really be showcased to the rest of the public? Yeah. I mean, you talk about a map being so great for for visualizations and that idea of accessibility too, right? To just be able to look at a picture that we've become so comfortable with, the the province of Alberta. And there's so much here that people can glean from. Do you think that many people really understand all of these locations and spaces that mark Indigenous history here on Treaty 6? I am th- hoping that people will understand from looking at at this map. And like, of course, by no means do we have every single point mm-hmm. on that map. And it's kind of a living, breathing project. So as this uh, rolls out, um, continue to have uh, more points added, um, either from our own research or uh, community members as well. So we do have, um, if if you know, any listeners want to uh, submit a suggestion, there is an email uh, on on the map page where you can enter in points. I was glancing through myself and I discovered some places that I didn't know existed. Walk me through what's on this map. What are some of the things that people can find and discover? So I think a lot of people would probably recognize a lot of the art, especially in the Edmonton area. Um, so we kind of have it categorized. So we have art so people can go and appreciate that. And I think with a lot of indigenous art, there is a lot of history and culture behind that. Obviously, it's like art is a vessel for all of that. And then we also have places. So, for example, the Thunderbird House at the um, Stanley Milner Library that, uh, you know, people can go and, and try and learn more. And then we have uh, community organizations such as um, the Indigenous Knowledge and Wisdom Center or uh, Rupert's Land Institute or Métis Nation of Alberta. Um, Those places do hold a lot of historic significance as well as just being like a a resource for people. One of the ones that I saw that I, I didn't immediately recognize was Frog Lake. Mm hmm. Yeah. So the Frog Lake National Historic Site, that is to commemorate the Frog Lake resistance and the Battleford hangings, which is a very important moment. Also, like a very, I would say, strong betrayal of treaty rights at that time. Um, so that would be in about 1885. Um, there was resistance as, you know, people in that area were starving. And um, it was also a big part of the Louis Riel resistance. That place to me, like I didn't even know about that either. And those events more so happened in Saskatchewan. But the fact that there is a a historic site to kind of commemorate that in Alberta, I think is really cool. And I hope people take the time to learn more about what that that means. I think, too, this map, there's a really powerful reminder of just how much Indigenous history is celebrated and and notable within our own city in in Miskuchi, Waskag, and Edmonton. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Like, tell me a little bit about just how much is discoverable within the boundaries of our city. It's just like so unbelievable. I mean, um, Edmonton has been a gathering place for centuries for Indigenous people. Um, so I think having a lot of Indigenous art and, and kind of hot spots, I guess, makes sense. Um, just because there have been so many people here, like way long before, uh, before colonizers, of course. Yeah. So, like again, with the art, there's just so much indigenous art. Um, Beaver Hills House Park, just kind of like, especially through the Edmonton core. When you look through the map, there is a lot of indigenous art, and again, by no means do we have them all on there yeah. right now. So, I'm excited to do even more research and and add those points in as well. Definitely. I, I want to talk about two more places. One, which I've heard a lot about and I have yet to go, but I want to go so bad. And the other one, which I'd never even heard about. But the first one is Métis Crossing. And it, it's quite the destination right now. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, a lot of people really love going to Fort Edmonton Park, for example. And I think they have a bit of a similar sort of thing. You know, it's like an interpretive experience. But it has a strong focus on Métis culture. I think a lot of people that maybe don't know about the difference between First Nations and Métis is Métis has like a very distinct culture um, that, you know, differs from First Nations. So I think for people to uh, go out there, be outdoors and like have that sort of experience while it also being very educational is really cool. The pictures of it look beautiful. Mm -hmm. And then that one that I'd never heard about, but the name is so cool, is Viking Ribstones. Yes. So that one I also, like, had no idea about. <laughs> and I was like, this is so cool. How have I never heard of it? I'm, like, making it a point of doing that this summer. <laughs> I think it's just so cool. So the Viking Ribstones are near Viking, Alberta. But they're basically known as petroglyphs. So they're, like, carvings in stone that represent or that look like ribs right so they're supposed to represent the spirit of the bison mm. and what's special about these particular rib stones is that they are um, they've never been moved from that site so they're the only ones i think in north america or at least in canada that are in their original site which I think is super cool. Yeah. I mean, you lived in the city for, for much of your life. Mm -hmm. Was this project sort of a, a sense of discovery for you as well? Absolutely. Um, I, like, my family's from northern Alberta, so Big Stone, um, Peace River area. So I've spent a lot of time there. Yeah. But... Um, to have the opportunity to kind of like explore these places and to like read the history, it is definitely like it holds a, a new importance to this area for me. For yeah. sure. Did anything surprise you? Like everything surprised <laughs> me. I just I just mean like um I think you think you know a place. Yeah. And then you really like dive into the research and you find this like newfound respect and like honor almost of of where you live and I think it just you know when I go to some of these places like uh, I went on a bike ride to the Tawatna Bridge last night and just to like be there and see the art and like stand above the river which has been like a, a crucial traveling 
method for for centuries, right? Like, just to kind of be there, it just felt really special. So I hope uh, when people go to these places or learn about them, they they have that kind of sense of respect and an honor when they go there. Absolutely. Yeah. How important is it, do you think, to have a space where all of this is collected and, and more than that accessible? I think it's really important. I think the more accessible the information is and the more interesting it is in an, like from an interactive perspective, um, people are going to be more inclined to, to look at it and to to read it if it's easy to use then like what's stopping people from doing it i yeah. think and i'm i'm hoping that this is easy enough for people to use we wanted it to be accessible for all ages so if parents want to you know teach their kids or you know elderly people i think having the map broken up into certain sections kind of also helps it just be a little easier for people to be like, oh, yeah, this is where this place is. I mean, we're heading into summer. It is prime, like, road trip season. Are you starting to plan out based on some of the things on the map you want to check off? Are the Viking ribstones on your road trip list? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I've spent a lot of time going up north into Treaty 8. Um, So I'm really excited to kind of just stay a little bit closer to home and – explore these other places. I think also another like important thing to mention is when you do, when people visit these places, if they choose to, is to really respect them. These are really um, sacred spots. And I think it's really important just to, again, respect and and honor those places. Um, And that's what I intend to do. I just want to kind of fulfill what I've done on the computer and on paper and like (laughs) fulfill it in real life. Well, I mean, thank you so much for coming and joining us and talking about this project. Uh, I will certainly be plotting out some of these trips myself this summer. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to finally have this project launched and uh, I hope people enjoy it. Another way to plan your road trip is a little closer to home. I am all for a week of playlists and roadside fries, don't get me wrong, but sometimes it's nice to venture out for a day and still sleep in your own bed. So for more summer adventure inspiration, especially for the weekend warriors, CBC Edmonton is doing a series all summer long, looking at our local green spaces. And CBC's Adrian Lamb is here now to talk parks. Hey, Adrian. Hey, Claire. Welcome. Um, you love parks. Uh, I think that's fair to say, right? It is true. <laughs> I confess. I am guilty. What do you think about when someone says parks? Yeah, I mean, I think words leap to mind. They kind of flood, you know, things like adventure and things yeah. like uh, knowing stuff that you didn't know before. So, you know, like that kind of like uh, creativity and finding these spaces. There's also the peacefulness. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I was just out yesterday and I, I just took a minute and closed my eyes and thought, we're in a city of a million people, yet here I am, like in this old-growth forest right next to the North Saskatchewan River. So there's adventure and there's peace and uh, I think there's safety, Yeah, you know, because during the pandemic we were looking for those ad- – outdoor experiences where you could get out, right? There's escape, right? So these are the kinds of words that leap to mind 
when I think parks yeah. here in the capital region, for sure. Yeah. And you just did, I mean, beyond the capital region, you just did a national show all about parks. And, and now it's kind of turning to a summer series here in Edmonton. So tell me what you've got planned. Yeah. So uh, Hidden Gems, uh, spaces uh, that we have found over the last couple of years during the pandemic, uh, sizzling hotspots, I would say. <laughs> uh, I know it's a tough assignment. It's tough, but I will, I'll muddle through somehow. Uh, we're going to talk trends too, as you point out, like larger, bigger picture, park policy, and stuff like the Urban National Park that's been proposed by Parks Canada and the federal government for the Edmonton area. So, you know, where that's at and how that's kind of flowing. So, It'll all be part of the series, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you hinted at it off the top, but why did you want to do this now? You know, I think I wanted to pay it back because (laughs) during the pandemic, the parks were our office, right? So on the show, Our Edmonton, uh, the TV show that I help out on, we go out into the field and explore. And we have been doing that for almost a decade now. And we couldn't really safely execute that indoors, unmasked during the bulk of the last two years. So we made a decision. We were going to stay true to our roots, continue to be out in the community, but we wanted to model things that regular people could do that were safe, uh, that were cheaper free, uh, and parks were where it was at, right? So I'd take the kids and Jed, the Beagle, (laughs) on the Sundays to do the site survey. I would call them adventures, you know, but they were really site surveys. Look at that work-life balance. Exactly. It's so true. And we'd get in the car and we would go and I would explore these places with my kids and I would get their take on them, right? Uh, Very interesting to see how the 12 and the 16-year-old react, the dog reacts to these places. Um, And I felt like this was a good time to share that knowledge again, um, to kind of put a bow on it um, now that things are sort of kind of getting back to normal, you know, with, you know, more people adventuring further afield, right, and, you know, traveling more, that there's just so much here that we have found that we really want to share, right? Well, I I think even, I remember we worked on a project at the beginning of the pandemic together, Yeah, World on Fire, which was recorded almost entirely outside. Outdoors, right? Because it was the safe, (laughs) smart thing to do, right? But I mean, it really has brought me closer to the ground, pardon the pun, in terms of parks and in terms of our community. Like I thought, you know me, I thought I was in the know before, but I'm really in the know now when it comes to a lot of these green spaces, right? I mean, it's the fun of the job, right? Is like you think you know things and then you actually go and you learn things and you're like, oh, I didn't know anything at all. Yeah, yeah. And it just get deeper and deeper. So I guess this is part of that depth with this exploration of the green spaces for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I think you add the layer of gas prices on top of that, right? Oh, yeah. You know, um, as as we continue, uh, you know, this summer, even travel plans, people adjusting as a result of, you know, things on the rise, Absolutely. right? So it makes sense to kind of give this info out again in terms of people looking for those closer adventures and getaways, maybe. And I think, you know, the other reason, I mean, my love of parks is one thing, but when I got out there and started talking to people yeah. uh, about the transformation they have personally experienced over the last couple of years, that really got me juiced on the idea like these folks that that I talked to about parks life was so busy before we didn't get an opportunity to enjoy the great outdoors so now COVID shut everything down and brought everything to a lull and we get a chance to actually live again enjoy nature for most people the circumstances where they were stuck inside there was a fear of going out but at least with parks like this you get the chance to go out on your own get some fresh air uh, de-stress 
like I don't want to go back to work. <laughs> it's lovely. Um, obviously, we'd like to see more people come down here, but at the same time, we don't. Best kept secret concept. Oh, I, honestly, though, 100%. Like, I think the pandemic pushed a lot of us it, almost to a return. I remember in high school going out to parks with friends yeah. or university even, right? Like you'd go out to a public space just to hang out. And in the pandemic, I did just that. Instead of going to each other's apartments, I mean, that hill behind the Walterdale Bridge became like the hottest club in town for a while. <laughs> yeah. It was wild. But I mean, that it certainly changed for me. Did the way that you use parks change during the pandemic too? It did. I mean, I mentioned that it really did become our office. So yeah. it, it took on a bit of a Work-wise. more work field, right? But, I mean, I think it also uh, allowed us to really drink it in on yeah. a deeper level. And and personally, right? I mean, we got out more in the last couple of years, uh, you know, than we have, I think, in the 20 before, you know. And I think it was just that push, that pandemic push. <laughs> uh, and we have returned. We've continued, right? Uh, even though the malls are open now and the pools are open now and the rec centers are open now. And these are all things that we would have used before, but yeah. we didn't. Um, yeah, it, we, we continue those patterns so and and we're seeing this historically nationally that the numbers visitation the increase um the appreciation and the flip side the issues that come along with it from trash to um traffic to you know the issues around eco-sensitive areas and what that kind of visitation could potentially be doing we're seeing all that as well right so that's part of of uh, i think the raison d'etre for sure yeah I, i mean you did you used a term that can be a little spicy at times, hidden gems, because um, nobody wants to share. <laughs> the whole point is that it's a hidden gem, Adrian. Um, but are you are you going to dish the secret? We are. We yeah. have. And we, yeah, we did spill because I can't. I'm sorry. I just can't help myself. <laughs> you know me. I just have to give. The giving never stops. In fact, we built an entire map around this giving, right? So if you go to cbc.ca slash Edmonton, uh, and we started this map with just a few locations, right? And this was at the beginning in 2020. Uh, and now it has just ballooned to more than 60 locations that we have visited. Uh, and uh, props to our digital producer, Yuri Graney. He, he built this map. I don't know if you have taken a look at it, Claire. But I'm, I'm peeling down to it right now. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm on the webpage. Yeah. So um, it, it is pretty startling just how much is on this list. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So And there's <laughs> GPS locators. So you can you put it on your phone. There's uh, a photo there, a little description, uh, a link to, you know, if you want to do more reading a story or a video uh, to get a feel for the space before you actually make the track, right? So yeah. it's all there, yeah. It's pretty awesome. I mean, I want to know, you're a parks aficionado, a parks professional, <laughs> if you will, a connoisseur. So walk me through some of the highlights of yours. Where where do you love? Yeah, I mean, I think it does really depend on you, right? Like the range, as you can see there, from wild hikes to sort of manicured spaces, uh, mostly free uh, and all sort of in that capital region for the most part, although there were some gems that I just had to include, like Métis Crossing that is a little further afield. But yeah. at any rate, like I think, you know, you can, you can find things like Bomaris Lake, which is 153rd uh, Avenue. It's 110th Street. It's stunning. You know, $9 million worth of rehab work just done in it. The walking paths, the plaza, the scenic lookouts. Fun fact, this was a lake that was built in the 1970s, Edmonton's first and largest stormwater lake. I mean, you see them all over the place now that sort of dressed up of these natural areas, but that was the beginning. And it's really, it's really cool. You know, there's a little library next door. You can pick up a sandwich. There's a little mall there. Anyway, you could make a day of it, is what I would say. Um, and then we found things that are further afield, like uh, Cardiff 
Park. So it's a deus area, Sturgeon County, trails, picnic tables, sports fields, and a stocked trout pond mm-hmm. with the dock. So it's great for canoeing and the kayaking. And I should give a shout out, the gem was given up by the Edmonton Old Timers Fishing Club. Nice. So they reeled in this location for us. Uh-huh. Uh, we had a great day with them out there on the water. So that w- was one. And then I think, you know, in the capital region, there are all these municipal parks not necessarily in Edmonton. So, you know, uh, Really everywhere, you know, the, the Sherwood Parks, the the Stony Plains, the Spruce Groves, and in St. Albert, the uh, St. Albert Botanic Park. So mm. this is a 265th Sturgeon Road, really well laid out, labeled, maintained by an army of local volunteers, plants, tree varieties. Uh, they have a little patio there, a little gift shop. Uh, access is free. Um, you know, no dogs. Uh, so we didn't bring Jed that day. Uh, bikes aren't <laughs> permitted either. So it's that kind of of info, like that nuts and bolts info you can find on the map. So yeah, I would say it's maybe worth checking out if you're thinking about heading out this summer. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's no excuse not to get outside this time of year. It's so gorgeous. And I want to know, you've been talking about parks for a while now. This has become part of your bread and butter. Do you think you'll ever get sick about talking about parks? You know, I don't think. I mean, honestly, Claire, like, because, you know, the deeper I get, the further I want to go. Like we talked to for the network special, a woman who had written a book called Park Bagger. uh, And she had visited every single national park in Canada. Yeah. Her name is Marlis Butchert. It's a great book. If you can look, if you want to look at it in the middle, there's a map and on the map, the 48 national parks that we have. Well, I counted and in my life, which has been long. I have only gotten to like 17, which is... So you got some work to do. I do. I feel like, I, you know, so there's that, right? Like I'm now starting to turn those, oh, that's not far from a national park. I could cross one off my list. Or, you know, we're <laughs> off to Calgary and I'm saying, oh yeah, I heard about this great park. So now I think, you know, it's it's growing, you know, from a geographic perspective, you know, where I'm actually making them destinations in you know, my my life as green space adventures, right? So I kind of feel like, and with this renewed interest that the public seems to have for green spaces and these kinds of, of park gems, I don't know, maybe I spin a second job out of the thing. I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of feeling like there's, uh, you know, maybe I write my own book. I mean, there's so much to be done. Who knows? We'll talk later about a podcast. I mean, my God. If anyone can do it, Adrian, you can do it. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on and talking about this and helping me honestly plan my summer. Oh, my pleasure. Anytime. The Loop is a weekly podcast from CBC Edmonton. And our team is Min Dariwal, Leslie Goldstone, Corey Haberstock, Olivia O, oh, and James Evans. Our theme music is Change Your Mind by Edmonton musician John Common. And I'm Claire Bonnyman. Thank you, as always, for listening. Yeah, I really appreciate it, uh, everybody tuning in. And uh, there is always so much more to know and get into the loop with us every Friday. You can leave us a rating or a review wherever you download the show, or you can get in touch with us on Twitter. I'm at Min Dariwal and Claire. I'm at Nami Knob. Of course you are. And uh, if you want to get in touch, we have an email as well, the loop at cbc.ca. Follow the show on CBC Listen or your favorite podcast. Min Dariwal. I don't even, that would be, I don't even know what that would be backwards. <laughs> We've done this before and it never sounds right. Yeah, it's like Laura Rabbit. Let's stick to forward. Laura There you go. 
For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.